guys, welcome aboard. We have Bruce Fitton and Daniela Fitton on here, and they wrote this amazing book, Exogenous Human Hybrids. It's our hybrid humans. Sorry, I'm kind of like dyslexic. Um, anyway, it's like if I had to summarize this in a couple of sentences, I would say it it can kind of definitively, in my opinion, show that we've probably been messed with or, or, and, and the reason why. And it goes into the UFO phenomenon, into like the abduction phenomenon. It goes into, um, you know, even scientific evidence about perhaps a, a craft that has, that, that, that landed 780,000 years ago. And it, it, so it's, it's the whole thing is just super amazing. And you put it together so well. So welcome aboard, you guys. Yeah. Hello, and yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm, yeah, I'm glad the book impacted you in that way. You know, I, I tried to put in a bit of an overview of, you know, you say the other topics, you know, a bit of UFOs and a bit, bit of um, background on the topics of alien contact. You know, I've tried to, to pack in kind of related topics. So although there's the theme is the is the idea of visitation of a particular craft at a particular time, you know, around 780,000 years ago. That you know, I also wanted to make sure that you know we want to have the background, so people that aren't perhaps familiar with with what's happening in ufology right now, or haven't looked at the techno signature kind of academic research, that they had some background to what's going on in SETI and what's going on with Lua Elizondo and you know all of that. So um, I've tried to cover you know that, and also so we talk about the metaphysical, you know, particularly because of Daniela's background with mediumship and shamanic work you know so we tackle that aspect yeah. so just a bit of a you know it's definitely a bit of a mix in there isn't it i mean it's yeah it is but i mean i first of all i think that even your your whole your chapter two um like breakdown of of the le legitimacy of the ufo phenomenon if you want to like just word it like that or uap mm -hmm. or whatever um i feel like that in itself could be should be a definitive article that everybody who's never gotten into this subject at all needs to look at. Like you should probably break some of these chapters up and be like, Hey, you guys, boom, do this. And then, right. I mean, Daniela, your, your story for me was, um, I I've, I've had a lot of visitations myself. And so mm -hmm. I really kind of want to get into some of this stuff with you. Cause I think that it's, a uh, um, very important. And, I, so one thing I wanted to kind of clarify with that is um, when you, like you said, from 2012 to 2013, you had a bit of a, a it was almost like you described it as she went into trances or you went into trances. Like how, how did that happen? Was it like you were taking plant medicine or was it um, just like it would randomly happen? It just randomly started one night and it didn't stop for about a year and a half. So it's something that I just went into, which was like a time slip or a, I don't know if it's a time slip or a, sort of like a, a spontaneous uh, shamanic journey, but it, it, it did not involve um, anything to do with plant medicine. Um, for me, yeah, no, we, I didn't do anything specific. It felt to me like something quite invasive and more like an abduction type scenario, because for me, it was very physical, um, apart from being emotional and, you know, spiritual. So it was something that just, it just started and it, took control of my life basically for about a year and a half and it would happen at random. So, yeah. That's, and then did it, after the year and a half, did it stop? 
or it slowed down it started to slow down and then eventually like every now and then it would happen again um so it's like it's unpredictable for me when it would occur but when it happened when it started in 2012 um there was a lot going on in our lives anyway yeah. at that time things were very complicated um with our sort of like exodus from europe so um, moved from to south america yeah, i'd moved from england to spain and yeah it wasn't then we moved from spain to ecuador you know so, yeah. so there's been a lot of transition going on in our lives we both filed took divorces we separated from exes you know so we, we're already in kind of our own personal shifts before we even met and you know we're working in spain yeah. you know we already had stuff going on so there was a really kind of an intense time anyway and yeah. then when we were there you know some things going on there with like family arguments and so, you know there was a lot of different stuff happening and then in the midst of that you know within about a couple of weeks of arriving in ecuador you had the first one of those when it's around about that, but I think about two weeks. Not really even quite, that, maybe it was like within a week, probably week, yeah. week and a half. Um, we had just been like downstairs in the living room and just having a drink. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I don't feel well because I was tired. I was just, you know, sort of spun out because so many things had happened so quickly. Um, and in, sh in such a short time frame from moving from Spain at that point to Ecuador um, and trying to adjust. And so I just said, oh, I'm just going to go upstairs, go to bed. And then <laughs> before I knew it, I felt like I was being dragged through a wall and like almost like I could, the best way I can describe it is like, yeah, piece by piece, like cell by cell, you know, and then going through this like barrier of I don't know what to call it really of time or place or both um mm -hmm. and then being on another location and then it just kicked off from there mm -hmm. yeah and so when she was in these trances would would she just be com comatose or just like oh no no well sometimes but no she'd also be talking like sort of mumbling so you know it's a bit like sleep talk sleep talking you know but she'd be talking sort of quietly and I, I so i would get that there was a conversation going on with somebody that you know i couldn't see um and in some some of the cases she'd also physically be like drawing on the wall with her finger like drawing what looked like symbols on the wall and and other times like kicking the wall and stuff like you know what seemed like an altercation maybe with some of it like you know like kicking the wall and stuff and yeah so sometimes physically sometimes moving around sometimes talking um, and yes, so other other strangeness to it like that. So it wasn't like you know you someone who just goes into a trance, no. like a mediumship trance where they no. you know they're gone and then they come back in their body and they start moving again. No. It's like no, it was like she was like partly there, but like mostly not there. You know, so it was quite strange in that no, way. Yeah, it would happen yeah. at um, night time. It wouldn't happen like during the day. I'd go to sleep, and in some instances, like we'd just be like, oh, you were out, like you were sleeping for like hours. And then suddenly you start mumbling or you start, you know, mm. and this is like, it's happening and you can feel it. Um, so in, in a lot of those um, instances, yeah, I wasn't even aware that, you know, it's had, aware that, yes, it had started, but I don't know how long had gone past since, you know, it actually started. So did it feel like memories or did it feel more like you were currently embodied in that incarnation when you were there? No, it was like I was living that moment at the other location mm. and, and some in some of those instances i was coming back with bruises and scratches and um it was very real because in in one particular um uh, time that i went there i was given something to drink to wipe my mind of what i had seen at that location so i went into an underground part of the city that i was not supposed to be in and i saw things i should, probably shouldn't have seen and so i called them up on it and said like what are you doing here with people um and they gave me something to drink and when i was there I was physically sick and then Bruce said that when I was you know out basically in in and I was in the bed he had to push the bed away from the wall because I was throwing up I was being
being sick, like physically, and it was all coming out of my mouth, but I was still asleep. Um, and basically I had my head down off the bed and, you know, this, this is happening, in, in, you know, physically. So this mm -hmm. is like, and, and coming back with bruises, like I, on one occasion, I um, had a bit of a fight with um, one of these beings and I came back with black eyes. And the next morning, my daughter saw me. She's like, she looked at Bruce, like, what have you done to her? He's like, I haven't done anything. <laughs> you know, but I had bruises around my eyes. It was horrible. And I had to um, put on makeup on that day to sort of like make sure that nobody noticed. Yeah. I was like, full on. <laughs> like, oh my God. You know, it's so like, what's going on? If you had to like analyze this, do you think that? this is like interdimensional or do you think this is literally time travel i would say it's time travel but the the time slipped to there it's happening at the same time as we have our time here so i think time mm. definitely just move around mm -hmm. and timelines can jump back into our time mm. so it's almost like time if time if time zones were planets you know it's almost like you know yeah jumping across to another planet that they come really into that, alignment but that time almost is you know in the past so that it's, it's concurrently existing so when you say time travel i know we usually think of a linear line you know people think well I, you know go in your machine and it goes back to there but you know obviously there's a concurrentness to it because i mean she's here but also experiencing what we now understand to be sort of seventh century palenque in mexico with lord pacal who's the the ruler then so there's all that going on but it's happening for her concurrently and that, you know, so you, you know, you also to be able to talk to me, it's sometimes, you know, saying stuff to me and record it. So clearly she's not totally in a linear, she's gone back. How, how would she communicate with me? But she's experiencing being there. So I think it's, yeah, it's like concurrent timelines that you're somehow you're there and here at the same time. So again, I know it's a funny way of looking at it, but that's, that's sort of that's what I would how say, I you know, that you're experiencing it like traveling to another place rather than another time. So it's... Huh. So I have, I have a thing uh, that a pro I, I don't know when this started, even as a kid, like I've had um, visitations and things since I was a kid. And um, I have these two concurrent, I call them past life memories, but I, I will slip into them right before I'm about to go to, to sleep, but I won't actually be asleep. And I will, I, I'll just have blanket understanding of my world and then I'll be living that moment that I'm in like real like I could decide if I wanted to take a drink I could I could consciously decide just drink a drink in that moment but at the same time uh, uh I, I just pop in and out of them and one is a I'm a mm -hmm. giant so male more like a, um, spontaneous past life. yeah it's a yeah and 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 it's weird because these two past life I call them past lives but I don't even know if they are in the past yeah. I don't really know where yeah. they are or what they are but um we yeah, have one I'm a giant um male lion and I have this weird ability where um I'm kind of like a National Geographic reporter but for planets and I go to different places and I'll be mm -hmm. anything that I'm sensing is recorded and mm -hmm. uh so whatever's looking at me, whatever being on the planet, like if I was, if, you know, I use the example of like, okay, if I went to the wild west or whatever, and I went to sit down next to a cowboy at a saloon, he would see another cowboy. He wouldn't see the lion. Like mm -hmm. I would be taking a drink and I would see my lioness, but yeah. he would see a human or, and that doesn't matter what planet I'm on. And I do that and my job, and I'm like thousands of years old and I just go around, I'm like a recorder kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so I pop in and out of different, I pop into him kind of a lot. Like, uh, I, 
and, and since 2012 is when I started popping in and out of him. And then the yeah. other one, but it's not that frequently. It's, it's probably yeah. like I get like two pops a year, maybe. Yeah. And then the other yeah. one is I'm like this, I don't know, this one is, is, has freaked me out more is like, um, I only have like three fingers and it's like, I'm, I'm bald and I don't even think we have gender, but uh, I'm like blue and I'm tall mm -hmm. and I'm very skinny. And I, I do know that like, we have pretty eyes. It's not like we have like those big black, like gross uh. eyes. Anyway, I, 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 I call her a she, she seems more like a she than anything, but she's a, 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 a guardian of records. So like you go into this library or something and you try to get, you would try to rent out this sphere and she isn't going to tell you whether you can or can't, but she's going to make sure you can't take it away. You can only view it there. So she's like the guardian of these, this record hall thing. And that's my job in there. And I pop in and out of mm -hmm. her a lot too, but she freaks yeah. me out even more. Cause she's, I got, cause like, I don't know, like, I don't know where she is. I don't know if that's past life, future life. Like, I don't know what that is, but they feel like they're me. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I am those things. So when I read that, I was like, oh my God, another person. Thank God. Um, I just, <laughs> I thought I was just like so crazy, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know that I have full blown trances because like I'm single and it's just nighttime for me. So, you know. Yeah. So you can't say that you don't know if somebody was there, what they would see or not or hear or not. It's right. Difficult. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I've definitely I've heard of a few, a small number of cases where similar, you know, obviously in the some of the kind of what we call abduction law, you know, some of that people say that they're taken and then they find themselves in a body of an like what looks like an extraterrestrial, you know. But I mean, in terms of actually spoken to people, I think I've I've spoken a handful of people, maybe four or five, who have some related experiences where they find that they are becoming someone else. I mean, there was one guy actually, he was. How it sounded very similar to Daniel, where he was talking in his sleep in, Sum in Sumerian. And um, Dan Danny would talk in Mayan, like ancient Mayan. I've recorded I've recorded a lot of it. I mean, I don't know what it says. I wouldn't really want to release it because I don't know what it says. But um she she would talk in Mayan and draw the symbols. And this guy said, Yeah, he he was talking in Sumerian. And we spoke to another couple that was down in Mexico and they showed us a video with the, the lady, you know, this couple, she was talking what seemed to be what they felt was some kind of alien language that they would they would go to another planet rather than another time mm -hmm. that she and they, they had a family there the father extended family and that they were on earth to do take the mission but that they, they would trans sometimes she would transit back to the planet and when she was in that state she was obviously in a kind of an altered state like a trance but again not from taking anything and we'd be talking in this this language which sounded a bit bit like a native american kind of sound to it um and she would be kind of walking around. She wasn't lying in a trance though, but you could see she looked like she was in an altered state with her eyes and it wasn't really in our world in a normal way. Um, so there's definitely other people out there that are having these kind of experiences where they're jumping, you know, they're jumping between realities, planets, timelines, you know, whatever we want to call it. Um, and again, for, for a skeptic point of view, someone says, well, it's all in your mind. Okay, fine, whatever. But they're having those experiences, right? You know. And there's not an easy explanation for it because even if we say, is this just happening in your head? Well, like, everything's happening in my head, right? Everything's happening just in your head. Reality is only happening in our heads in that way, right? So 
if it's if it's happening to us in the way where you feel it as objective, touch, taste, smell, scratches, languages, you know, that's as close as you can get to saying real, because those those are usually the things how we define real, aren't they? So you know, yeah. there's definitely a reality to these experiences, um, no matter exactly how they're happening, whether it's aliens doing it, you know, alien technologies, or whether it's past life slips or interdimensional or whatever it is. And, and you know that with the shamanic law, you know, there's a long, deep history of shamanic journeying where people say they merge with, you know, the spirit, animal spirit, plant spirit, or they they, they meet, you know, taken up and they merge with gods. And all that. So again, this, I think there's a very deep history to these types of experiences. It's just that in, say, the US and Europe, and what we call Western culture, it, it seems alien to us because yeah. we've lost contact with that. And there's a big, like, and older I think body of law. Mm -hmm. And you've pointed out that there's a stigma against coming out about it where, you know, it's like, well, you're mm -hmm. crazy, like that crazy person, you know, um, mm -hmm. and that's, that's not going to help anybody progress further. Because for me, with my stuff, no, no. And if we would, yeah. or sorry, uh, what I was gonna say, oh, for sorry, me, my stuff, it feels just like a memory would feel like it feels like this. I, could, I, I mean, I remember being in the seventh grade. I also remember being a giant lion. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't have an obsession mm -hmm. with lions. Like I'm not at that overly into cats or anything. I don't, I've never had, any, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not a lion. So I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, no, that's right. And I, I, I think that, you know, there's, um, if we were to talk about this stuff and we were sitting in a, so this Ashwa tribal setting in the, in the Amazon jungle, then people wouldn't say you were crazy. They would recognize this as, as you know otherworldly shamanic type phenomena but because of our set and setting and you know that we're talking about this in again is that the western kind of what we call the modern cultural setting because well it must be crazy you know it's like well hang on but people have been having these experiences forever you know since people could have experiences and uh, the first recordings of human behavior seem to be you know related to shamanism engravings artwork with with people that are part animal, part human in the engravings, right? So as far as we know, as soon as art and, and sort of record keeping begins, people are recording these altered states and these kind of experiences, like almost as the priority from sort of 70,000 years ago onwards. So it's only in modern European and US kind of settings that, that you know, we've, we've abandoned that and it's become this strange, like, ooh, woo woo, alien contact and oh, you know, psychical, it's like, well, it seems to be a fundamental part of being a human being for a vast number of people mm -hmm. that we are for some reason putting a stigma on and denying um, and not even attempting to look at, even if it's, it's non-physical, we're not really attempting to understand the neurological or the psychological or the psychical like reasons for it, because how we look at it, it's happening to people. Now, again, the skeptics can argue over why, but it'd be nice for them to come up with some kind of explanation, even from their paradigm, as to mm. exactly what's happening in our brains that makes us merge with aliens or, you know, or appear in another time. Like, what is going on there? Mm. So that's on them to come up with a with a skeptical analysis, right? To say what's happening. If they're going to poo-poo it. Yeah, I mean, I think like that's kind of like the good the the nice thing about being this way in this day and time is that you are starting to have like these, you know, undeniable TTSA, like, you know, mm -hmm. tic-tac-toe, like, you know, like our, this kind of um, military coming mm -hmm. out saying like, yeah, there's some stuff going on that we don't understand. Yeah. 
And so you're kind of having to be like, okay, well, explain that then, huh? So mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. so I could see how it gives le leeway for the other stuff to come in. So, okay, in that, this is kind of a big question. So I, I, I want to ask, okay, so let's say they really did come in and we are seated, like, just like we, we we're a altered, altered species of alien DNA that happened, that started happening 780,000 years ago. Okay, cool. Our 780,000 years ago. Yeah. 788, well, 780,000, but I would probably put it now to 788,000 because of some revised dating I've looked at, but. Okay. So let's say that that is the case. What do you think then happened once we were transferred into this new species? Because I'm thinking they never left completely. I mean, like, what do you think, like, um, mm -hmm. the megalithic builders were, or some of these, like, I don't know, weird elongated skull tribes in, you know, all over the world? Like, what do you think about, they've been seeing UFOs even before modern time. Like, there's records of that going back all throughout history, you know, so... I, from my point of view, I don't think mm -hmm. they ever completely left. And then if that's the, the case, where are they? Where do they reside? And what's really going on? Mm -hmm. I mean, I probably, I mean, Danny may be able to talk about this, but I, I would say that at least in one sense, I mean, the, the fact that the shamanic worldview, again, is a constant interaction with intelligences, you know, which is, again, like with media, obviously, you know, as a medium and a shaman, Danny, you go, you're accessing information from intelligences that are there alongside us, even if they're not physically there. So that's not to say they can't physically be there, but what are these intelligences that have been giving information to shamans and mediums and stuff all of this time, right? Because if, if some of those are, are the same beings making contact through psychical mechanisms, they don't even need to be physically here it would seem, do you know what I mean? So again, if they are able to just hack into your mind, like, I mean, we don't know where that being is, whether it, you know, people say interdimensional, hidden on the planet, like a crypto terrestrial or on a satellite, you know, floating around Mars. Yeah. We don't know, but what your experience is of having a communication with an intelligence. Now, could some of those be the very same intelligences that shape this planet? I don't see why not. Because that's the experience a lot of people are getting in these contacts. I mean, you talk about from your perspective as a, a shaman and psychic, I mean, how you experience that. I mean, some of those intelligences are not just humans in it that you've experienced. I mean, no, they're not. Yeah. But they can interweave, they can become like us, they can become us for a moment where you feel like, yes, things uh, sort of handed over to another being, maybe that is far more intelligent and far more willing to help us you know, change certain things about our lives. And as your experience, which I believe probably are more like, yes, mm -hmm. you know, like time slips, but in what time, probably in the future, I would say for you. Yeah, like, and, and, and leaving an imprint of information to then help us redirect things in certain moments that are critical and we may not realize it at the time that it's happening but then looking back we think oh yeah that's why it happened i can understand that now it's like receiving a download from these beings so yes i i believe that they're they they are us and they can choose to be with us uh, depending on whether we accept that or not um 
and that they come and go and, and they are walking among us. They didn't leave. What, I mean, why would they leave after seeding a planet and then mm -hmm. walk out and say, well, we're done. Our yeah, job is no, done. Sure. No, their job was mm -hmm. only just beginning at that point. Um, and, you know, so there's, I definitely think that we are absorbed in their um, and part of their intelligence, their higher intelligence. And that's why you have people with different, you know, points of view on different topics of this nature. Um, that are here to give us that information, to remind us and to sort of take us back to the part that we've lost, especially in our Western societies, to remind us of where we came from and to remind us of who we are. And so I don't believe they ever left and I don't think they ever will. And mm -hmm. I think they are us for that yeah. reason. We're linked with them, you know, that well, it's yeah, not, yeah. We are them. it's not as distinct as people would say. I mean, no. I know we talk, I talk a bit about this in the book from, you know, obviously the, the work was kind of inspired by, um, Valerie Barrow's book, you know, which I, I talk about in the book, you know, Alcharinga, when the first ancestors were created, which, you know, has a lot more, mm. I guess, you know, um, high strangeness, you know, obviously mm. our book is just tackles some of that, mm -hmm. but, you know, her whole experience is almost like, you know, is, is you could say is some of these intelligences reconnecting and saying, hey, you know, you've forgotten all of this history mm -hmm. of, of what really happened on this planet and you need to remember it and that, you know, there's all of this connection between human beings and these star people that, mm. that they essentially created us um, to be a part of a greater plan, you know, that they want this planet to function as a place where souls can be kind of refined. I, I look at it almost like as a cosmic rehab, like yeah. that would be the that's why i look at it it's like the earth is a, like a cosmic rehab that they talk about that the souls you know of different kinds of beings particularly ones that have been quite negative mm. um are quite maybe nefarious that are able to incarnate here into the human form and experience progression in a, in a really a biotechnological construct which is the human body a biotechnological construct that you know the dna itself is a biotechnology and that this body is a biotechnology, the trees are biotechnology, transmuting atmosphere. I sometimes look at trees and I, I see machinery, you know, I, oh, yeah. complex alien. Mm. Yeah, because that's what I think when we're living in this a biotech world, really, and we were talking about creating biotech, but we look around it, it's all around us. That if you terraform a planet, you know, all you need to do is spray DNA, you know, spray down some simple microbes. If you, if you can manufacture something as complex as DNA, which again, our scientists struggle struggle to see how you could have such a complex kind of a molecule because not only have you got the the dna code but the structure of the molecule itself you've got these two really complex systems and they they have to emerge concurrently and so you've got to think what's the odds of two different aspects of dna that both are kind of millions to one of them just coming about but but they they come back together and that's always been a struggle because i think there was um Crick and Watson, who helped to sort of first find the form of DNA, kind of came up with the you know, crazy odds of it really happening and, and wondered themselves, was it not perhaps put here by alien beings for that kind of reasoning? Um, and I think that's exactly the case. So if they have created this world for a reason and you know, in that particular kind of interaction with intelligences that Valerie had, you know, they, they kind of clarified that you know, humans as homo sapiens were modified from earlier hominins for this reason that you know that they can enter they can choose to incarnate in these bodies and the same kind of claim is there in tibetan buddhism that that the high lamas use their meditative focus as they die they leave the body and they choose their next incarnation 
that they can mm. see it. And they often leave details about where they're going to be born. They say, you know, be born in this village, so and so, and a rainbow will be there that day, and you'll see a crow sing on the roof. Uh, you know, and they, they send out a team of monks that will go out and they will show artifacts to the children, you know, they're in that village that are born on that day. Um, and they pick out artifacts, you know, from a mixture. And that these people are like, yeah, that's mine, that's my glasses, that's my hat, you know, that's my stuff. Um, these extraordinary things, and that's taken as perfectly normal within the Tibetan Buddhist kind of culture, right? That these people can do, they just pick them out. I'm not trying to impress anyone, you know, it's not like this is some circus trick, to, you know, to, to be on TV or something. This has been something that's been happening for centuries, just as a matter of fact. So it's not just that, you know, aliens could do that. It's something so surreal. In fact, you know, we have human beings that do that and they've been doing that for a very long time that are choosing their incarnations so that being the case and again that's controversial in itself obviously if you're a materialist skeptic you know yeah. be, oh that can't happen that's fine like you know fine don't yeah, have but to believe for me it. with those but, people at this point i'm just kind of like i have to you you can be you but i have to move on i have to push forward i have mm -hmm, to still mm -hmm. figure something out beyond that like i don't want to try to speak to the skeptic anymore because the skeptic's probably not even never going to watch my show, you know, I mean, like, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, I mean, and the, but the thing is like, for me, I'm getting to where I think, uh, you I, okay, I was visited by these light beings in 2017 mm -hmm. when I was in India, and the light itself is intelligent, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, it, it's, uh, yeah. uh, and, and I had like some weird telepathy that I was speaking, or they were speaking with me, and that was not easy it's not like just so you just everything is in your mind it's it's actually kind of hard to understand telepathy because it was like big movies just blocks of information just put in you and then you don't know how to timeline it and we're so linear in our thinking so you're you know you have a hard time dealing with that and knowing what mm -hmm. to do with all that and stuff so i i for me at this point i'm like i don't longer have to convince anybody whether it's real or not i'm i'm more mm -hmm. like what do we do about it mm -hmm. i think i'm convinced it's real so yeah. if people who are convinced yeah. that it's real what do we do about it from there um mm -hmm. and that's that is a big interesting question and i think a lot mm -hmm. of it would be cool if like a lot of people who've had experiences and stuff actually like start uniting and start putting like for instance you talk about the pallades like and i don't know how many people i've mm -hmm. talked to who Palladi Palladians keeps on coming up and up and up for so many different people mm -hmm. all over the planet like people like whether it mm -hmm. is a wormhole or a portal like you were talking about or mm -hmm. it's something around that area mm -hmm. I don't know but definitely some yeah. people have a lot of messages coming in from that particular star cluster yeah yeah which is amazing when you think you look up at the sky and look at those trillions of, you know trillions of stars yeah. that so many people would have that draw to the Pleiades, uh, you know, have all of those stars up there. That if we thought people would just kind of, let's, you know, they were just kind of crazy or something. That what? Why would it be that it always hones in on the same kind of star systems? You know, and then after that, there's a few others. You know, like um, obviously Orion comes up quite a lot, um, and Sirius, perhaps and Lyra, and a few. But but the Pleiades particularly. But then you know, you would think that why isn't it that we don't hear people saying, "Well, I'm linked to the Big Dipper," or you know, that I'm right. linked to you know, Perseus and, you know, it doesn't seem to be the case, right? So if people were just pointing, oh, I'm going to make up a story, like, I'll just take one of these star systems. It, it doesn't stack up, isn't it? Because, it, and it's in the ancient law, it's in the Native American law, 
you know, seeing the, the Mayans traveling to the Pleiades, they talk about they aligned their temples to the Pleiades, their cities. Um, you can go to down to Southeast Asia, in ancient Japan and Indonesia and stuff. They had lore about beings from the Pleiades and or royal links to the Pleiades. Yeah. Aboriginal people down in Australia, yeah. the Seven Sisters Dreaming Law is there amongst nearly, as far as I know, nearly every single nation of the original nation. And there was, you know, dozens and dozens of nations before British right that nearly all of them have a seven sisters dreaming story you know and, to, and usually to do with creation of people and animals yeah. the landscape so I mean it's like how how does that come all come about by chance you right? know the it's like that all around the world German, the oldest disc they found in Germany it's called the something discus mm -hmm. whatever and it's and it's it's the Pleiades yeah, it's it looks like a smiley face like yeah so one thing I was wondering about with Danielle, with your story of Palenque and the underground laboratories and how they were mix, missing, mixing with DNA, that kind of reminds me a little bit of, I've heard legends of, I don't even know where I've heard this from exactly, the sources, but uh, maybe that's like what Atlantis was doing before they were destroyed, you know, like mixing human DNAs and like, uh, like, do you feel like that actually happened or do you feel like, do you feel like that, that, that where did those people go? Oh gosh, it's, it's hard to say. I, yeah, well, the part about mixing the DNA, it was more like extracting to create another type of human. Okay. And like people from the actual population going missing, like disappearing, like you'd hear so-and-so, you know, we can't find them when I was, you know, in that time uh, slip, what you want to call it, um, and sort of using that DNA because that person was skilled at, I don't know, astrology, or they were skilled at calculating distances or things like that. So people, certain people would go missing and they were, and, 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 you know, these people, if they had children, specifically babies, they would take them and and start meddling, you know, with their skin and with their organs and all kinds of things. And, and they had underground laboratories and, you know, they were sort of doing horrifying experiments and, you know, sort of like taking skin to try to adapt it to theirs, to try to then blend in in the population. And obviously they, they didn't do a very good job in most cases, but then as time progressed, they would start to look more and more human. Um, and as far as where did these people go at, at the end of the day, I, I think most of them, probably a lot of them went underground and stayed underground. And there are like probably a lot of underground cities all over the world, like there is in you know, Egypt and, and Mexico and, and Asia. And, and so there, there are these networks where they, you know, and in contact that I've had with them and with other beings, you know, there are these cities there for people that want to go underground. Um, and then the ones that didn't want to stay left. So, you know, people that wanted to carry on the work in the way that it was possible went underground. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, like um, I'm from New Mexico originally um, yeah. and uh, 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 there's, there's a bunch of stuff about uh, like the Hopis went with the ant people or the Zunis went with the ant people underneath the ground and the and Grand Canyon. And mm -hmm. like, uh, there is a lot of, talk about underground caverns, cities, cities yeah. that are still existing even in like there's a big network of them in new mexico that they talk about and uh you know i i 
I went to this portal in Columbia and, um, or I didn't get in. I saw a unicorn. Actually, I did. That was awesome. But uh, I did go to this place. I didn't. I didn't get to go in it. But anyway, when I was there, um, and I wasn't on psychedelics. Not. not it was just like this was just some crazy white horse with a horn. But anyway, um, uh, they talk about uh, there's like a breakaway civilization that lives underneath there. That's like physically there, and they can decide. They can decide who can come in and who can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had dreams. Um, where a particular ascended master that I had a lot of contact with before this happened, like years and years and years ago, and he would come to me in dreams and he would say, if you ever have to run, you have to go underground because that's where they won't find you and you have to leave your body behind and you have to travel through the door that doesn't open. So it's like very clear instruction that you have to go underground because what we can, like people that are sort of like more aware of this stuff and accepting of it and open to receiving this kind of information can actually access that place where other people probably can't. It's like, you know, with what's going on globally anyway, you know, that some people you're going to get through to and other you can't. So obviously this soul evolution is very different from person to person, but yeah, underground cities, are absolutely. I've seen them um in this place in in Palenque and I've also had them in my dreams and, and about the doors that are just basically just like a picture like on the wall that you, yeah yeah that you have to step through it's not a physical door but you can see it's a door um and being told you've got to leave your body here to go through it <laughs> so it's like okay mm-hmm. right got it <laughs> but the cities are there the cities mm-hmm. are there I remember a friend of mine who goes out to well he used to go to Egypt quite a lot doing investigations and stuff there um, a chap called Richard Gabriel he's got a book people can look up but um yeah he, he used to like there was a uh, an old Egyptian guy who had been given the role of as, a, as a, a guard you know in a specific ancient site where so you know obviously a lot of these sites have you know just a local guy is paid pretty much to sit there and make sure you know at night nobody's sneaking in that kind mm-hmm. of thing um and there's one of these sites where he's got the kind of tunnel entrances and for people aren't familiar with Giza and that area obviously there's, there's a lot of shafts there's a lot of tunnels a lot of them very mysterious a lot of them are either blocked up or gates over them or have guards and also but you know so he, he was given the job to do this but he was telling my friend Richard that that yeah sometimes the people from down there they, they would come up somebody would come up and they would talk to him sit and he'd be sitting there at night and people from down below would come up and they had conversations over the years that you know you'd had different ones that come up and they would tell him stuff and talk to him about the underground cities and um really strange again these people okay you know fanciful story but what is what does that guy get out of telling someone that right so some old guy in his village you know saying yeah you know i sit here and they come up and talk to me you know so it's always easy poo poo it but it's like there's so much of egypt that's unexcavated and i mean even things like when i was at the osiren um temple or whatever i i 100 knew in my being it was a like some sort of like invisible door portal like i knew this was that or if it wasn't in in action now that's what it was what at some point and nobody had Mm -hmm. to tell me that i just kind of like had a knowing that that's what that was i mean and then there's the same thing within bolivia at the puma punku like they, they there's there's native people who talk about how well like sometimes these people in crazy garbs with you know big hats and stuff walk out and take a stroll around and then go back in so I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why they would just say that for no reason. Yeah, exactly. And I understand, you know, for people who've said, well, you know, uh, there's no evidence of it. It's not true. And again, I know it's the skeptic thing, but I think that it comes down to, first of all, that's fine. Like, I don't ask people mm-hmm. to believe stuff that I've got no evidence for, right? They don't have to believe it. Um, and then on top of that, I think for other people, though, if you have like 
psychical abilities, intuitive abilities. Sometimes you can sense whether people are telling the truth or you can see the stuff they've seen or, or you know, you've had your own experiences that are the same, right? And all of that. So it can be difficult for someone who, who can't relate to that to understand yeah. why anyone would believe this stuff. It's like, you know, it's just totally crazy. It's like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're psychically gifted, you do see the truth on things. You do see stuff. You do know stuff other people can't know, mm-hmm. or you do get a sense of people being on it like really strongly. You know, a sense someone's just like full of BS or something. You know, so there. If people are in tune with those other senses, sometimes you can make a judgment call on extraordinary evidence mm-hmm. that that other people can't. Right? There's, there's no evidence. Whereas you can see, think, actually, I can see what you're saying. You know, I can understand. I know that this happened to you or something. Um, because again, you're dealing with extraordinary realities and extraordinary abilities, extraordinary reality, high strangeness, but it's almost a separate world to the one that people, other people are living in. Um, and like, well, you know, great. That's why I, know, almost, I almost feel like they have to have, have a you know, personal. Look at things that evidence. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I can't hear that. Like I keep, I keep on getting a little breakup. Um, I, I, I feel like people have to have a personal experience or a personal revelation otherwise there and because honestly before i uh, i well actually i don't know i had this i've i started having stuff as like a very young kid and i'm also you know i was in a weird place you know i was was raised like right in out like like 30 minutes south of albuquerque but there's all kinds of stuff going on there so who knows what was up with that but anyway Mm -hmm. like i i feel like you know i have siblings who haven't had any experiences and they just um there are they're just like you're right you're wacko you know so i i I, and it's really it's just about they didn't get to see the ghost they weren't the ones who saw the thing so and in a way i feel kind of um i guess that's just what they decided i don't i don't know part of me i don't want to say i feel sorry for them but at the same time i that's that's way i'm lucky i guess Mm -hmm. that i have had experience yeah Yeah. well look if, if you think about it I mean, in indigenous cultures today and in the past and our ancestors, right, one of the things you had was the initiation process, right? And the initiation process between childhood and adulthood often involved a kind of an entry into the other world, some kind of experience that, that gave you a direct knowing of the reality of these other worlds, of the spirit world, the lands of the ancestors, the psychic abilities. And, and anyone who didn't go through that process was essentially a child and was not welcome into those conversations of the initiated people, right? They'd be sitting in a different circle. So we, whereas we might, you know, we would sit here in the, having this conversation, we'd be having this as adults. Now, someone listening into this conversation who's had none of these experiences, oh, there's a lot of rubbish stuff, they would be considered a child and wouldn't be at that circle for those conversations because our ancestors knew this thing as well. It's a waste of time having a conversation with someone who's not initiated because they would just think, well, what's all this, right? Because they don't know it's real. They don't know about these things. And they're essentially a child. Even if they're 50 years old, they're a child. They haven't grown up because they haven't encountered the other world and they don't know how reality works. And uh, and I definitely have had the experience of seeing, and actually it's very close to the UFO that you talked about that you saw in, in 1996, but like I saw a, a light that was going, that was flashing here and then it would appear here, it would stop and it would appear here. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like dancing around in places that it couldn't get to in time. And I, and I called my friend who was inside and I was like, bring my phone, but cause I didn't want to stop looking at it because <laughs> it would go away if I stopped looking at it. Right. 
And so mm-hmm. she moseys on out and I'm like, there's a UFO, come on, come on, come on, look, 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 you know, and just chilling out like a villain on her phone. And I'm going like, look at the UFO, look, look, look. Oh my God, isn't that amazing? She's like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Like she wouldn't even look. She didn't even. She didn't want to know. Yeah. She didn't care. No, but mm-hmm. no, no. It's a different reality. And like even now with the news cycle, because about UFOs, you know, the people that are interested in those things, are like wow, wow, it's all going on. But if you ask someone else, if you've seen all the UFO news, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, because <laughs> because they'll be just reading what's going on in politics, yeah. you know, global events, politics. They're not clicking on the section with the UFO no. stories, right? No. They're not following that on Twitter or Facebook. They're just reading their normal news. So it feels to people that are in this world of stuff, you know, that, oh my God, all this exciting stuff's happening and look all these stories. If you go and ask the average person, if you know all this, they'd be like, no, what are you talking about? I was looking at my football, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Yep. Well, so it's, it's like my, a o- my older brother's very skeptical, right, about all this stuff. And, and so when it came out on New York Times or whatever and that thing, he was just like, I looked at that video. It could, that could have been anything. That's, that was like, mm-hmm. they're just, they're just trying to sell papers. Next. Yeah, like, right. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what that was for him. Or he'll yeah, say like, oh, you know, they can, they can project anything now, right? They have like really good, um, they have like really good technology. So mm-hmm. we can't really believe anything that's on video. So that's all no. I'm saying. Yeah. And that's it. And it's, there's always going to be the, the plausible deniability to all these things as well. And I, I personally, I feel that, uh, that that's built into the experiences like in this world. I don't think we're meant to get a 100% objective, undeniable, 100% proof. I don't think that's meant to happen because I, I think we're supposed to be learning and making our own refined, you know, beliefs, decisions, thoughts. And if, if it just was there, like, you know, the aliens were there in front of you in the spaceship and everybody saw it, it's like, okay, that's done. I don't think that's meant to be how we're meant to be learning. That's just my opinion. I don't think that's, and I think that's why there's always, all these things that come out, there's always like a, a doubt on it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a gray area or was it, or was it fake or someone hasn't experienced, but then they, they've lost the evidence and, you know, and it, it, it's, it always seems to be a little bit ambiguous. Right. And I, I personally, I don't know. I've always had a feeling that that's meant to be like that, that you get to choose your reality and it's not forced on you. So mm. now again, that can be an intelligence behind I think our learning, I think. Yeah. But. And there's an intelligence behind why that's happening. I think also mm. because those people are seeded with different DNA to the one that we're seeded with and they're only supposed to reach a certain level or their tasks are limited to that, you know, and they're very like either materialistic or very selfish or they're very narcissistic or they just can be very plain. And I mean, it's not their fault, but I mean, um, there's different seeding as there's different species seeding. So, I mean, this is what I, how I see it. That's like, they probably belong to a different group. Um, and that's where you see the differences too. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes oh, okay. I, I, I view it like a, if this is a, a, a university or a school, if it's like if, if planet Earth is some sort of training, soul training, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, maybe we're higher, like we've been here longer, higher level up in the grade than mm-hmm. their kindergartners that just yeah. came in or something, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. And not not like that we're better than them or not, just like, well, at, we'll no. all graduate at some point, but, you know, we're at different mm-hmm. levels and where we're, our understanding is, you know, yeah. maybe they were super high in their last yeah. incarnation and now they were like, you know what, I'm going on vacation this time. I'm just, you know, I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have that in our culture, don't we? We recognize that 
a PhD in biochemistry knows more about something than the, the you know the the grad guy from school who did biology you know for a year I mean so we understand it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is a better person and no. is, is somehow above them as They're a human a being level. but like you say they just have a different level of learning mm. and of experience and knowledge so you know I think when people think oh you know trying to be high and mighty it's like, well, no because no if you'd focused on one track and it's your development or it's your psychic abilities and you've developed that more that's just a consequence of time focus and stuff not that you know you're special i mean i i can't say whether there's some humans maybe there are some humans out there that are just special but i, I that's not obviously like you say it's not what we mean if there's generally speaking it's just if you've had more time doing something like if you had i don't know a thousand lives on earth reincarnating mm -hmm. and so, then you're going to have the earth experience down on you a lot more than if like you say someone's just come in if they've maybe been not a human being they've right. incarnated in from another planet it's their first time around they're probably going to struggle aren't they they're going to probably struggle to deal with earth and they may completely mess up to according yeah. to crazy things um and that again yeah you know makes sense i think if it is a, a reincarnational learning system you know where we're all supposed to be developing so I, I so you guys briefly mentioned in this book which i i didn't even know i need to read this other book that you wrote a book with evan and um steven strong mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just did some big Uluru magic box, like meditation thing. Uh, yeah. On, yeah. I think when was that? Like on the December 20th, maybe uh, on the solstice, on the solstice on the 21st of, yeah. Um, and that was super cool. I got a bunch of friends together and we did like a big, mm -hmm. like, you know, we went through their whole thing or whatever. I thought that was, um, that was, that was cool at the Uluru thing. So are you guys still in contact? Do you guys still do anything with that? Not, not really, but I did do the magic box meditation. I went up to a local, um, there's a kind of Iron Age fort on a hilltop here with a few friends on the solstice. And they were aware of it as well, actually, separately, the, the, I think from probably Facebook or something. So yeah, I met with a couple of friends and, you know, we did do a kind of meditation for that. Um, but no, I, I'm not doing, I don't need direct work with them now. But yeah, I, I did follow that updates on that they were doing the magic box thing mm -hmm. yeah the meditation and we did the book with them back in 2013 um and it obviously relates to because that was ancient aliens in australia yeah. but obviously yeah. relates to some of the stuff that we've written about since then so though it's not mm. like the same information in the book you know obviously it relates because we we're talking about an arrival of beings to australia um and some of what evan and steve sort of put into that book was to do with that this this story of a craft coming here um, we wrote a bit more about kind of a Pleiades connection. So at the time, I didn't, it wasn't too sort of in tune with that story because it was through Stephen and Evan that that I became aware of Valerie and her book Alcharinga. So I, I didn't know that that book at the time. And then that's yeah. so it's a chain of events, you know. So collaborating with them on that book is what led me to Alcharinga book. And then that book is what sparked this kind of realization that perhaps there was enough information there to actually go out and look for evidence so it was a kind of a chain through working with them yeah onto what we do now so there is there is a kind of a thread through it yeah. although it's not continuing that project yeah so what are you guys wanting to do in the future like what's your what's your next big uh uh you know thing to un uncover i don't know what's your next what do you have in mind project wise do you have a thing i mean for me i i mean I, I, I'm, right now i'm working on a scientific paper that's about the material, the tectite material, which I, yeah. you know, I allege is debris from the craft. Um, and I'm 
basically putting it into an academic paper form, which I will submit for a peer review. Um, and also I will put a preprint version of that for public viewing and feedback out as soon as possible. Hopefully by the end of the month-ish, I hope to have that done. Um, and that's about, it's about at the moment, about 8,000 word you know, scientific essay with all the sources, all the links to all the studies that are relevant. I'm totally going to read that then. Like, let me know when you put that out because I'm have yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, again, I, this is this is one for those people, the skeptics and stuff who, you know, say, oh, poo-poo, where's the evidence? Um, I understand, you know, I understand that, you know, it's nice to actually be able to give them something which they can look at and say, okay, right, well, this is evidence that I can comprehend. I don't need any psychic powers. You're not asking me to believe anything. Um, so, yeah, I'm willing to kind of make that effort to give them something that they can look at in their format that they accept, especially for scientists, I'd like the scientific community to start looking more seriously at these ideas because no, look, I mean, if we like, were modified good. the fact that it's 80 percent silica that there's no impact site but that it covers would you, uh, your book said 10 percent planet spread but i've also heard you say 20 like 20 to 30 maybe yeah oh, i enormous. mean that's huge that's amazing and like i like I used to be a geology major before I became mm -hmm. an art historian. Like I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I love my rocks. You know, I have my molder by, I, I do all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. I belong to geology clubs. I'm a, I'm a huge rock dork. So like this is, that's mm -hmm. significant stuff, you know, yeah. quartz or crystal, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it was claimed is, you know, mm -hmm. silica and that's 80% silica. And then the fact that it double burned, that is like, what? So that yeah. to me, that indicates it had to have been like, it was destroyed in space and then like our you know like there was some sort of mm -hmm. collision yeah. in space and then like when it impacted or something the double burn is really fascinating to me well yeah and the interesting thing is if you look at some a lot of the sources are nasa papers that go back to the sort of the 60s because at the time there was an argument going on you know was that material from space or was it from an impact on earth and, and most of the people on the side of the extraterrestrial theory you know obviously a like natural extraterrestrial theory were, were nasa scientists because they recognized that this this, this, this secondary melting was a, a signature of it coming in from space but also that they calculated by an understanding of you know rocket technology missiles that what angles you needed the speeds to get these effects and they they came to the sort of conclusion that you had to these objects these spheres of glass had to be kind of coming in around about um something around sort of nine ten meters meters per second i'm sorry kilometers per second um which is close to kind of the you know exit speed from the earth and then on top of that that they were skipping along you know skipping along the, the edge of the atmosphere at these angles almost horizontal to the plane of the earth so, so, so that said basically it's it's either an object breaking up in orbit or it's coming in from space is there's no way that they could see how that could be something thrown up but then he's coming in at these incredible speeds and hopping along the edge of the atmosphere and that's why they were convinced that this was extraterrestrial material probably from the moon you know they went to probably from the moon and the reason their argument collapsed of course is when we realized that it wasn't made of lunar material they kind of lost the argument but not because their science was wrong only because the object was limited to being lunar rock. And uh, if they had just gone a little bit further and said, could this be something else that's extraterrestrial? Right. And they just didn't go there. I mean, even though they said this seems to be like a satellite breaking up, they just wouldn't go there. Yeah, but there you would think else. even if they were to say like, okay, this is like, this is like a, a, a foreign rogue satellite made of crystal. I mean, like they, 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 they would have to, I mean, yeah. It's straight it's to aliens. I mean, it's, 
Yeah. And like they couldn't do it. I mean, there's there's a guy actually sort of says, well, you know, we could imagine something coming in from interplanetary space like this but what kind of object would that be you know and how would it get captured by earth's gravity and why would it break up in orbit it sort of doesn't make sense so it has to be lunar rock you know and you can see that that limitation there that just couldn't go there to what other objects might come from interplanetary space you know and it just couldn't go there even though they say well you know you could imagine it but nothing's like that because because we know that it's really rare for asteroids to get captured by Earth's gravity, extraordinarily rare, and they're usually very small. So that's why they had this problem. They could, you know, how could you get this giant object, you know, trapped in an object, and why would it break up after that? So they, they, you could see this, the thinking, why it was the limitations, the usual paradigm blinders that meant it had to be a natural solution. All they had to do, as I said to some the other day, the only thing missing from their papers was an un. Because if they had just changed to an unnatural object, they already pretty much had it. Yeah, so they, right. they, had, they had to focus on a natural solution and that was their limitations. Do you guys own a piece? Yeah, we've got several. Yeah, we've got several pieces. And Moldavite as well, which, you know, you, you had a, I was, you had a really powerful experience with Moldavite. A couple of weeks, well, a couple of months ago, I guess now. Two months ago. Two months ago. Yeah, I mean, should tell you a bit about that. Because I, I sort yeah, of said, because yeah, I, I have, um, well, I... Actually. Aware, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, oh, cool. I, yeah. I, I stick mine in the roof of my mouth sometime when I meditate. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know. I feel like I get really cool visualizations or I, yeah, I have really good messages when I use my Moldavite like that. I, that's weird, but I do. So what about you? Well, you can tell you, you had an experience with you. It was actually holding this one that I had. I said like, hold it um, and see if you get anything because if you, in the book, Al Turinga, Valerie talks about Moldavite and she had a powerful experience with it herself she felt connected to this story of this craft so i just said you know what do you think you know trish hold it and see what happens and you um you had like quite profound experience with the craft you know i, I mean did flipped you know out. i flipped out because i was holding it and then bruce put his hand on me on my hand mm -hmm. and that's when it hit me and all <laughs> basically it was just an image of me in a in a see-through crystal pod it's like a hamster ball, a hamster ball like a, yeah. a sphere of you know see you can imagine yeah. a person sitting in this sphere but it's more like an egg shape hitting water at a super high speed and smashing into the water and being like oh my god i'm going to die like bang and i got that image and then this thing starts to break up in the water and a piece of it hits me right here and i'm aware of this piece of Glass or crystal glass, whatever you want to call it, is stuck in my face, has slipped all this part of my face down to my jaw. And I'm in the water and I'm seeing all these bodies coming into the water. And like there's bodies everywhere, like floating and some coming down and pods coming down and half debris coming down. So I managed to get to the surface with this thing stuck in my face. And I'm aware like my face is probably going to fall off or something. And the pain of it and just coming up to the surface. And seeing this thing up in the sky, but to me it looked close, probably because of the way I was seeing it. And people are just falling out of it, and it's coming down and it's disintegrating. And like I see this thing up in the sky, and people are just still trying to get out of it. People are like, can like, can you imagine? Like, do you remember those videos of 9-11 people jumping out of the buildings? Yeah, because it was so bad. Fire. It was like that. It was like a compare it to that. And then people on the surface of this like lake and there's sand and rock and all this stuff. And people just there, disfigured, burned, you know, and just like, what the hell just happened? 
and then getting out of that location and eventually having my face fixed but I mean just hitting the surface of the water and seeing that it's like an absolute like an apocalypse at that moment and that was the stone <laughs> the bloody stone that was I was gonna say that that wasn't even us. yeah that's crazy because Moldavite's supposed yeah. to be like even older right like four four million years I have right. yeah yeah. split second like from nothing to that it was like zero to a thousand mm -hmm. in like a second wow and like yeah i was like i didn't know whether to cry or you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was it was it was horror i was like gave it i gave it back to him so you're like, like here take the mold right that's for you <laughs> take your rock yeah. play with your rock <laughs> i mean she has got like you've got your own i've got one right. i don't wear it yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> i have to be ready it. to wear it again because yeah that, that my really little niece me, when she touches it she gets thrush she gets like her it right. it, it breaks mm -hmm. her out like sure her whole hand will get red her face will start getting red it, it there's mm. something powerful about Moldavite for sure. Yeah, there and a lot of people is. you read a lot of accounts, and you know, people have powerful experiences with it. Some people it's, it doesn't even agree with them. Some people they find it really amazing. We get healings from it, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, it's supposed to be about I think 14 million years old, so it wouldn't necessarily seem that it should correspond with events 780,000 years ago. But I think that there's definitely a link somewhere there, even if it's from an older event that, or it's from another craft or something like that. My theory is probably another craft, maybe yeah. from same yeah. intelligence so maybe yeah. that's why it links in with this story um because the australite i haven't had that kind of well we haven't had that kind of powerful experience you can sort of feel something holding australite mm -hmm. and obviously if you look at the the mythology if you the, the aboriginal kind of law around it it is seen as a power stone you know yeah. from the sky a healing stone and in fact it's, it, the shamans when they're taken up to become shamans you know when they say travel to the other world often that they are filled with crystals and australite mm -hmm. um that they have put into them to give them their power as, as kind of clever fellows and clever women they're kind of shamans so again in the culture there is this link of them being a power stone for magic and stuff um but yeah it's 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 interesting that you know the for some reason the moldavite just seems to be a bit more like oomph you know with the the energy so but we have both yeah so we, we have do, both. We that, yeah I'm also really into Shungai. I like my Shungai. That's but, but mm -hmm. you know, um, what was uh, what your little vision made? Okay, I, 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 there was this guy. I don't speak Spanish, but it was translated to me while I was there in Colombia. This older guy talked about how he was home one day, home alone mm -hmm. in the middle of the, this. He's like in the Amazon jungle. Like he's they 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 don't mm -hmm. live. They live four or five hours from Bogota. And I, I went out there to go do ayahuasca with them. But anyway, um, so he was telling me that one day he, this guy rang or knocked on their front door and he opened the door and he was floating like four or five inches off the ground and that he had white hair. He's like, it wasn't blonde, it was white. And he like was explaining basically like looked like just like a really tall white guy with everything was white he had blue eyes but his skin was very white he says it wasn't like a white person's white he's like the skin yeah. was white and the hair was white and he said do you want to come on a ride with me basically and he said well can I come back and then the guy said yeah so the old man went with him and he said that he got into a bubble of he said it was like a glass bubble and it right. was he said there was no other machinery around us and it was just the bubble itself was the thing and then mm -hmm. he took him he took him away they went to some planet he got to look over and they were kind of like they lived in huts basically yeah. they were way more organic with the way they lived with their planet than we do and then he brought him back 
And then he said, yeah, okay, cool. Thanks. He can't remember. He had a whole name for him and he's seen him twice now or whatever, but he, he felt compelled that he had to tell me this story. And he's like, yeah. you know, the story. And then, so my, the guy who was translating was like, okay, this guy wants me to tell you this, but it's very bizarre because that's almost reminded me the vessel reminded me almost exactly yeah. of the vessel yeah. you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like an egg. Yeah. Like, it was like yeah, an he egg. said a, like a glass egg. egg. There's nothing, you're just in it for some reason and you're just there, suspended inside mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember for an episode of um, Ancient Aliens, I think it's the one about Hawaii, because I, I was interviewed for that. But in that one of the goddesses, the, the mythology is that she arrives in an egg, like, you know, kind of a cosmic yeah. egg yeah. and comes out of it. Yeah. And I think there's other sorts of you know, cosmic egg kind of stories that I wonder, you know, some of these may be, again, linked to these craft, these egg crafts, I know Tic Tacs and egg shaped crafts. and. You know, and uh, in your experiences with Palenque, the craft you saw, one of them was a small kind of egg-shaped craft, yeah. wasn't it? But, yeah. but another thing as well I think is funny is whether, you know, there's a, because of our culture today and the way we look at technology, you know, there's a lot about metals, you know, metal, special metal craft, and right. oh, we're going to find all these metals we're testing. So, because that's what we build with, right? You know, our spaceships are made of metal, our planes are made of metal. So, but I think most of these craft are crystalline, yeah. you know, and if you, if you look at the contact experiences, and if you take them, like as face value a lot of this say they can see through the walls and stuff and that you know they're yeah. on board they can see through the walls it's like some kind of glass uh even the rendersham case because you know it was kind of a black glass and he touched it it felt smooth like glass and uh thought maybe it was crystal um and you know one of the things i looked up a few weeks ago i thought you know what you know if a lot of these craft are you know crystal and that when they blow up you get these kind of tectites and stuff like that you know, what about the mysterious case of Tunguska? Because, you know, obviously there's been, a, in the past, there's been yeah. le like rumors that maybe that was a craft that exploded in the air. Because we know there wasn't an impact, there's no crater, something exploded in the air. Um, and I thought, well, let's just look it up, you know, for crystal, tectites, Tunguska. And I was amazed to find that there's an article where they found a chunk of what looks like this mad colored kind of glass that fell from the air. They, must, they say it's not terrestrial. They don't know what it is, what it came from. They said maybe there was some other object following the asteroid because this isn't mm. asteroid material. And, and I, you know, you think, oh my God, there's another one, you know, another one. Yeah, What's the exactly. chances? You get these anomalous explosions in the air and then there's these kind of tectites, these melted crystal. Well, you've definitely um, turned my mind. People more need on. to rethink this idea of metal. Yeah. Yeah, well, you definitely are the one who mm -hmm. turned my mind on to the tech types being from the ship kind of things. And I mean, I'm sure whoever has Australialite is going to have to thank you because I'm sure you're you're making the value of it go way up. <laughs> well, I have thought, I mean, to be honest, yeah, that it, if people <laughs> want to get some, get some now, because if, if that paper comes out and it comes accepted, there will be a point where it's going to be, you know, like everyone's going to be, oh my God, this is pieces of an alien craft. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if anyone's sort of thinking, you know, to get it, you might want to get it now, now <laughs> yeah. not later. Forget diamonds. Might, yeah, forget <laughs> diamonds. You know, forget it's way rarer than diamonds. And if and if it turns, you know, if I can prove it's extraterrestrial, I mean, it, you'd be killing to well, I want yeah, one so. of the like the sphere-looking little ones, but those are already those are really expensive. Expensive, yeah. The, the, the ones with the shield shape, the buttons, they're like thousands of dollars already. So. God knows what those will cost, you know. know. I'll just have to settle in. for a little teardrop one or something. Yeah. Also, you can buy the um if you get from Southeast Asia, you get the the Thai or Indochinites and Thai tech types, because those are the other parts of the strewn field, and you can get those from for a lot cheaper. They're not as impressive necessarily, some of the Australites, because of having gone through the atmosphere in the way they did. 
because the difference is that what happened is, if you imagine this, you've got a large craft breaking up. And so the first explosion, pieces are thrown down towards Earth and they go through the atmosphere. And those are the austerolites. They have this secondary melting. So they melted when the ship exploded, cooled in space as spheres, blobs of, of molten material. And then they've come through the atmosphere. They've melted again and landed across Southern Australia. And then larger chunks that have broken through the atmosphere, those then experience aerial bursts. So they, they you know, these are big chunks of craft material explode within the atmosphere and they throw off more tektites. And in, in Southeast Asia, you've got those called splash, splash form tektites and also Muong Nong tektites. Um, those look slightly different, but it's the same material. So at the end of the day, you know, any of those would be part of the ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they're a lot cheaper. There's a more of them. So people, again, for now. But in China, they're already used. There's a long history of using yeah. the Chinese tektite in healing. Really long history of using it in healing. And they, 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 they trade in it for healing purposes. But you can buy from the Chinese market um, this material as well. Awesome. I got to get more into that. And then, okay, one last question. I was going to ask about... Um, the pole shift stuff because like um that's actually what those light beings were talking to me about like a couple of years ago and I didn't even know about that and then I started looking more and more into the pole stuff and uh yeah it does and even you highlight in your book that it's kind of like we're due <laughs> we're like way overdue for for one so and mm -hmm. I liked how you or how did you come to the conclusion that it, like it'll weaken the magnetic field right before it happens yeah, so I mean, there's, um, so it's, yeah, 780,000 years ago is the last complete magnetic reversal. And the understanding is that they should happen about every 200,000 years. So yeah, we're, we're way overdue. And then there's been a few partial reversals. And so sometimes things are dated by mm. the, mag the direct magnetic field in an object. So we know that, you know, about 40 something thousand, 43, 45,000 years ago, there was a, a partial reversal. So we know there's been these near attempts for the field to reverse. But it hasn't quite happened and now we're seeing at the moment there's areas of reversed um magnet, magnetic polarity in certain areas of the world and holes in the magnetic field have opened up uh, also the poles the north and south have moved yeah, so you can see that it's been a shift and so a lot of that is taken as indicators that we are in a reversal there's a weakening of the field that's occurring let's say these holes opening up um so the, the, the general consensus seems to be that they think we are heading into one, but nobody knows how quickly that can happen. And there's now evidence, they used to think it took thousands of years, but there's now evidence that some of these reversals or near reversals have happened very quickly, you know, maybe within a century, right? So, which again is interesting because, you know, we just don't know because it makes you think, oh, it's just going to gradually happen. That It might be that within the next, you know, 100 years that there is a full reversal. And, you know, once that happens, you have all sorts of problems with the, the satellite networks going down. You know, you have more radiation coming in from space during those times. And so, you know, it's although it's not like um, an end of the world cataclysm. I mean, for our kind of society, it would be a major, major. Right. Maybe you know, for our impact. technology, but for a while. Absolutely. But... Yeah. 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 So, well, I, I mean, you guys, this, I mean, there was so much to talk about. I highly recommend your book. It's super awesome. I think yet yeah, you guys are you're, you guys are my kind of people. I love this. I think it's really, really cool. So um, yeah, is there anything that I didn't uh, ask about or talk about that maybe you want to touch on before? Is the, I should have mentioned or you would like to mention about what you're doing or what have you got that you're planning on doing? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, talk about, you, know, you do 
I mean, you've got your work. I mean, you work, but Danny's, a, you know, she's a professional medium and a healer and shame. So she's, she's doing that work and you all know, the time. All the time. So I mean, she <laughs> lives in that world. What kind of shamanic stuff do you do? Like, um, I do um, extractions and healing. Um, also set up protection and and sort of show people how to sort of like step away from. I guess the technological materialistic world and step more into like a spiritual one and how to use your ancestors um, and to sort of awaken the roots of the person basically of, you know, where they came from and just to, to start, you know, finding more about themselves. Um, and also, yeah, I do shamanic journeys. Um, I've used ayahuasca and San Pedro and, and um yeah, so a bit of a mixture of things. And I, regressions where you blend it. Yeah, I blend in also blend. past life regressions. I saw, I saw that about you. I was like, ooh, that's cool. I might talk <laughs> about that. I, I mean, is it kind of like that QHHT or do you do a different kind of past life regression? Or? How did you basically, recently you learned with, who did you learn with? The um, system that you learned? Yeah, it's, it's a system that came out of Spain where you're not actually in, um, how do I say it? like you're not hypnotized you're not asleep so you're still in awakened state you're aware so it's basically reminded me of when you were saying that you have your memories your experiences um, and that you're able to you know get a cup and still drink water but still be that other person so in that sense the regression itself it doesn't put you to sleep but what it does it relaxes you to such a state that you're still aware of your surroundings and you can still hear what going on around you but you're also stepping through time and opening different doors to different lifetimes and even to lifetimes between lifetimes where you can actually access other type of information which is interesting and so when you know I'm doing a regression with a person I'm able to sort of see what they're seeing not because they're describing it but because I'm actually there with them so I'm in tune with what their experience is so I can actually protect them if I see something coming up that you know, maybe they're not ready to experience or maybe it's better saved for another session. Um, and so I use the shamanic sort of like energy that I work with to help them with their regression. And I also, with mediumship, I also bring that in also because if they're having an experience that is sort of unpleasant and it does happen that you can meet somebody that um, is in that lifetime, particularly that was in this lifetime, it could be like a grandparent, parent, a brother, sister, friend, that maybe isn't around anymore and you can reintroduce them. Um, it happens spontaneously where, you know, I did ask somebody not that long ago, like turn around, who do you see? And he's like, it's my grandfather. So, I mean, you know, and this person's not alive anymore. So you can incorporate the healing um, aspect of that person and their soul with regards to that lifetime and incorporate also the mediumship element as as well as the shamanic element. So it's a different way of doing it really. Nice, so you have your own blend. That, sound, that sounds- Yeah, awesome. I have my own blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially like, where I'm using ancestor as a guide for them in that experience. Right. That's yeah. really, really cool. And I think like ancestral healing has been really big coming up in our collective right now. So that's really awesome mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. offer some form of that. So do you yeah. have like a website specifically for all that? Yeah, it's um, daniellafenton.com um, where I offer the readings. So I also do readings um, and I do the regressions um, and the shamanic work. Very cool. I'm going to look further into that. That's really cool. Okay. <laughs> 
And then Bruce, you're like, you're Twitter happy. I like see you on Twitter. Yeah, I need to spend more time um, going back to writing and getting the paper done and then hopefully shift a bit more towards having that conversation about the tech type with the scientists and stuff and perhaps moving away from Twitter. I mean, I, I hope that Twitter gives people an education of kind of the research I do and the, you know, obviously the topics I'm interested in, but I'm aware that probably I need to get this information to a larger audience mm -hmm. than just my Twitter feed. So um, I think hopefully I can transition a bit more into then a global conversation a bit more with this, you know, because yeah. I think it merits it. I think, you know, it's a, it's I think a so too. Tough. I mean, it, and it's, 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 it's original research that, ha that has a lot of clout to it. So I think keep going because it's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, you guys, this has been a lot that, of fun. That'll be the next thing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I appreciate yeah. it. And, you know, we're happy to, you know, if you're another time, you have a chat, we can, we can do that. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Gives people a bit of a, hopefully something to think about. And again, <laughs> we're not talking about stuff where people have, to, you know, those, those evidence and say, you know, this is right, just yeah. like what you say, what's happened to you, what's happened to us, uh, how we interpret it, how you interpret it, you know, and how other people are having these experiences. There's a lot of people mm -hmm. having these kind of strange experiences mm -hmm. and, finding that they have a kind of a link to beings or intelligences that are not ordinary humans and so you know this stuff mm. is going on all the time you know and mm. i think i think it's happening more and more and i think it's going to happen more and more i, I think that we're moving into a new paradigm where it's going to become like almost very normal, normal. yeah mm -hmm. yep and that's cool you guys will definitely be people to go to like wait oh hey there's so much out there isn't it yeah, yeah i think it may, it may be like i think a lot of people have to be prepared to become almost counselors or hand holders for people that yeah. are going to find themselves in this reality with us <laughs> oh i hate doing that but yeah what can you do what can you do it's true yeah what can you do but keep us posted yeah let you know yeah. let us know of any issue you got coming up and we'll do the same but yeah no, it's yeah. really cool talking yeah Appreciate cool it. yeah i will Ha, ha, ha.